Welcome back to the Real Ones Canes podcast. I'm the Beast Brian London. He is Brandon O'Doy. Man, do we have a lot to get to. But before we do that, I got to let you know, you got to go subscribe wherever you get your podcast. I'm going to hammer it home every time. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Go to Spotify, Amazon, Apple, wherever you get your podcast and Go like the YouTube page as well. You can see our beautiful faces if you'd like to. Brandon, this might be the most jam-packed show that we have had since we have been doing this. This is officially episode 35, but we've done way more than that. This thing is jam-packed. We got a lot going on in the world of the Miami Hurricanes, and we need to start front and center the GM, the OG, Alonzo Highsmith has decided to leave Miami and go take a job with the New England Patriots. What are your thoughts there? Caught me by surprise. I, I didn't quite catch me by surprise, Beast, because at the end of the day, I think the role that he thought he was taking at Miami and the role that was carved out were probably a little distant from each other. And I think when you have um, the love for the University of Miami that, you know, and Alonzo Highsmith has. You have the football IQ that he has. Uh, alignment um, with the staff and being able to, you know, properly have influence on roster decisions, recruiting, and those types of things. Uh, even the style of play uh, is something that you want to have influence over. You've done it at the highest level. You've played. Your son's played. You know, you're invested in the Hurricanes. You want to have an impact. And, you know, outside of the mentorship of the students, and he mentioned that and referenced that, you can always kind of tell what meant the most to people when they're on their way out and they kind of share, you know, what it is they have to say. Uh, It sounds like he was a great off-the-field sort of voice. Uh, He's a been-there-done-that type of guy, someone who served as a mentor, but I know firsthand that he would have liked to be more influential on some of the personnel decisions and didn't quite get to that, you know, with this coaching staff. And that's fair. I mean, things happen. Hires and fires are made. He made a decision. Um, he wasn't necessarily fired. He made a decision to go back to the NFL and uh, pursue his path. And he'll probably end up being a G- GM someday. So there's no real love lost, so to speak. It just it kind of didn't become what they thought it would become. He and Mario Cristobal, and he's choosing to make a decision to move on. Yeah, I think when Miami Hurricane fans saw Alonzo Highsmith come back to his alma mater, there was a couple things we had in mind. One, he would be that sounding voice, that mentor uh, to not only coaches and and AD Dan Radakovich, but also to players as well, right? He, he's He's been there and done that. But also, with his experience in player personnel in the NFL, I didn't think there was anyone better that would be able to help in talent acquisition, especially with the transfer portal, than Alonzo Highsmith. So if he wasn't being utilized in that way, I could understand him wanting to go kind of be used in that manner, especially back in the NFL. Um and I'm kind of, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little upset that it that it didn't work out. Well, I want to be careful in how this is characterized. I don't know how he was per se used. I just know he wasn't used in a way that he thought 
he told other folks that, and, 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 you know, those were conversations that didn't happen openly. You know, those were, I'm privy to private conversations that he had with trusted folks. And he didn't always feel like the best of what he can bring to the table, you know, was, was, was what happened at the University of Miami. And so, I mean, we've all been on jobs where we felt like we could be doing more, having better influence, or we could do a better job solving certain issues and problems. And, and, and we're just, for whatever reason, not given those opportunities. And you may say, well, how is this guy not, you know, a voice? And how is this guy, you know, you know, not able to have, you know, the right amount of influence or whatever. And a lot of that can go into things we just don't know about personality, uh, professionalism, um, experience at the college level, uh, recruiting issues, uh, you know, just there's been a couple of different styles of offensive and defensive play since he got his job. I mean, you just, you just never know. It's about alignment. And that's what I was saying before. Really good programs have alignment in every strand of the program. From the guys who are in player personnel who are going out and identifying the talent, you don't just go grab talented players. You got to have players that can play in your scheme. You know, the University of Miami under Shannon Dawson offensively, you know, is an up-tempo offense that likes to throw the ball around, you know, and they run the ball probably a little bit more than most air raid offenses. As a matter of fact, air raid offensive uh, gurus and, and people who are true to air raid don't like what Miami does and don't like calling it air raid because we run the ball too much. So at the end of the day, you got to recruit to that. You got to have personnel that's going to fit that. And then at the same time, too, you've also got to be able to bring people in that do what Lance Kierdry likes to do. Jason Taylor is, is, is formulating a defense that, you know, where guys are interchangeable, either on that outside at the edge or, you know, at the three technique. So you don't have to, you know, you can't pigeonhole if you're, you know, trying to scout this team where kids going to line up, kid can line up anywhere. And, and, and you have to try to figure out to stop it. So at the end of the day, it's about alignment. And if the alignment is off, then it's better for, you know, Alonzo Highsmith to not have that bitter taste in his mouth. It's better for him to go back to the NFL and do what's best for him and his family and, and just try again later or, or just move on, you know, with other things. He's still a supporter. But, you know, I think one of his biggest contributions during his time uh, as a Miami Hurricane staffer was just to tell people, stop all of this glazing of what's going on in Colorado with Deion Sanders. We're hurricanes. We don't need to be running out there and helping not no less a Florida Seminole, but it's Florida State Seminole, but also, you know, just kind of, you know, taking our talents and building up, you know, another program. And I, I think, you know, I get what he meant. Uh, I get what those other guys were doing. They were supporting Deion Sanders. They were supporting an African-American head coach who got to the power five, who, who came from the bottom. Uh, but I mean, you needed an OG type of guy. That's not something Dennis Smith could have said. That's not something, you know, other staffers in the recruiting could have said, you know, it takes an OG to do something like that. And he earned his stripes. And that's what I think he brought that. That was his Ed Reedish. You need an Ed Reedish, Lonzo Highsmith guy around to be able to say some things that other people can't really say. Beast. So that takes me to my next question or point, which is 
does Miami look for the next guy to fill a position like that? Kind of that OG mentor voice of reason in the program. Uh, you know, is that something you think they look for or are we, have we moved beyond that? Well, I, I'll give you a name that you brought up to me via text uh, a day or so ago. Mike Rump is still around. He's still a first-round draft pick. He's not as OG-ish as, you know, some of these other guys that have been there lately in Highsmith and Ed Reed. But, I mean, he's approaching OG status. Uh, he was on those championship teams. He's a first-round guy. He has NFL chops. Uh, he's been on the staff, you know, through three head coaches now. Um, but that is sort of a role that's been sort of created and credit Manny Diaz uh, for for kind of carving that out. And it'll be interesting to see if Coach Cristobal thinks that that's necessary. I mean, he's an OG himself. He may feel like, hey, man, I got championship rings too. I mean, I played here too, you know. So, um, you know, we'll see. But I, I've enjoyed, you know, Ed Reed and, and what he's done and, I think the biggest thing, particularly, and this is coming from hopefully this, you know, is okay to say, but I think when you have a lot of young African-American males uh, from various backgrounds and they run into an Ed Reed on campus and they run into an Alonzo Highsmith on campus and, and they can be kind of guided in different directions. And, you know, certain things don't have anything to do with race, but some things have to do with experience. It's not even so much I'm black, you're white. It's just hey, man, you're from the Northeast, I'm from the South. You know what I mean? If I, I see another kid that grew up in the South, has similar experiences to me, I can got him. Or we could be from two different areas, and we just had similar upbringings. We had two moms in the house, one dad traveled, we had one mom, we had one dad, whatever the case may be. Anytime you deal with football teams, you deal with culture, it's about community. Same thing here at the church, you know, you have to, when you have community beasts, you have to be able to align values and set a culture. And that's all this is about. Want to replace Alonzo Highsmith and what he brought to the table? Improve the culture. So if the culture became, he was that guy that players sat down with, talked to, he could get guys' minds right. Like, I mean, is he the reason James Williams played a little bit better or worked a little harder last offseason to do what he did? Like, we don't know what we don't know. If he was a guy that was influential in certain, yeah, you have to replace that because now you have a void. Coaches have a lot going on. They have to recruit their position. They have to uh, coach their position. They have to be administrators. You know, you need off-the-field personnel to make a program great. So we'll see what happens. But if he created a niche and it needs filling, Mario Cristobal has to do that, and he would. So – just a, a couple of names to throw out there as I'm just thinking off the top of my head. If they were to ever fill some sort of position uh, like that, if they were really aiming high and wanted to like a associate athletic director for football, a guy who's kind of quietly moved up the ranks in the NFL, I, I, I think this is actually a pipe dream, is former UM linebacker Glenn Cook. He's basically the assistant GM for the Cleveland Browns. He's. I saw him in the press box at one of the games. He's always been one of my favorite Canes because he's so 
just in tune with so many different aspects of the game of football. He's one guy that I would keep in mind. The other one, this is completely out of nowhere. This one just came to me is if he finally ends up retiring from the NBA, uh, from the NFL, a guy that is, that could be that OG mentor uh, definitely has that cred is Calais Campbell. Who's won every single award in the NFL and um, is just a great dude on off the field, knows football, knows everything that you could possibly want to know. Uh, I would, I would, uh, um, I would put my attention there if, if just as a couple of names. But we'll see. Who knows? Maybe they don't even fill that position. One position they need to fill, though, is a defensive backs coach, a cornerbacks coach, a secondary coach, because Jamil Adai has decided to take his talents to the NFL. That's a big loss for this Miami Hurricanes coaching staff. It is. And uh, at the end of the day, I am very nervous about this. I'm looking at my notes because uh, there are some names that I was given. And at the end of the day, um, Jamila Dye didn't get enough credit for what he did here uh, at the University of Miami. And, you know, I see on Twitter, a lot of people are saying, well, he couldn't close on certain guys. He wasn't able to get Carmody McClain. Carmody McClain's done nothing in, in one year out with Deion Sanders, uh, arguably one of the best corners to play. He, he's done very little. There's not that big of a miss up to this point. Um, and a lot of it's been recruiting based, but what, what team were you watching? Like he developed the heck out of Tyreek Stevenson who came back from Georgia. The guy was a second round pick. He's probably going to be rookie of the year in the NFL, or if not, he'll finish top five in the voting. Uh, Daryl Porter is an absolute stud. I think he got one ball, maybe two caught on him all year long. He was a freak, uh, after having just like a journeyman average season the year before uh camp kitchens came back to all-star levels how many times do you get a guy that plays all american like and then comes back and backs it up or gets close to backing it up james williams vastly improved like it's you cannot argue with results and he got them and that's the problem that i have with all these adai haters it's like wait a minute guys let's not bash this guy on the way out Let's appreciate what happened. The back end used to be a sieve for this team. You and I have sat in that press box, yep. press box beast, and watched teams absolutely torch and just terrify this Miami Hurricanes back end. And for one time, you know, with the addition of Jaden Davis, whoever's responsible for that, these guys played to Corey. They played lights out. Couch had the best year he's ever had. He led. The, the country in, 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 in interceptions at one point. Jaden Davis was plug and play from Oklahoma, a team that had basically sent him to the bench. Daryl Porter uh, had, you know, all conference abilities. James and Cam will obviously be draft picks. They did well, both of them at the senior bowl. Jamil Adai did awesome here, okay? Let's just close that chapter, all right? Um Never mind any of the foolishness you hear or see on Twitter. You you got to look at results. So what do you want to have a great recruiter who can't coach? You know what I mean? Like this is a big problem. So at the end of the day, I like what he did. He's going to be hard to replace. And then here's the biggest issue, Beast. He coached both positions. He had both guys in his room. Now, 
Lance Gidry is a secondary guy. He is a secondary guy. So you do get, you know, Lance Gidry back there on the back end. But, you know, Adai had a lot of the responsibility for the defensive back room from what I understand. So I think this new person is going to be a Gidry disciple. Um, and I'm nervous about that only because he, he doesn't have a lot of ties to the Southeast. And so what direction could this room go? And I do not want uh, a lot of kids running for the exits come spring, even though that would be a big gamble. It's safer to leave in the fall. But I, I just this 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 hire has got to be right. More more important. We'll get to the running back. I could have coached running backs at the University of Miami. Nothing we'll get to. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to we'll that. Get. I'm not trying to go there. I'm just saying. Yeah. These, this is this is probably the most important hire outside of the coordinators that Mario Cristobal will have during his team. So listen, you look at when you look at hiring new coaches, you look at one of two, you look at two things, right? You look at recruiting and do they have ties to South Florida, like a guy like uh, Nick Monroe up in Minnesota and uh, he spent time in Syracuse, but he recruits South Florida. Uh, or do you think about a guy like a Patrick Sertain up at FSU, who obviously is from down here? Or do you look at a guy uh, from Marshall who Lance Gidry is a tie to, which is Chevis Jackson? There's. There's a couple of different ways you can go about this. If you were, you know, if I put you in charge, how, how are you looking at this job and, and what, what goes into making this hire? Well, I think you sized it up pretty well. I think you have to, you have to look at recruiting. You know, this is the hotbed for defensive backs. You know, Broward County, uh, they, um, you know, we have some of the best defensive back talent in the country. So, you need someone who can go into American Heritage, Chaminade, St. Thomas Aquinas, Miramar, Western, Central, and Miami Northwestern and say, hey, look, I need that best guy. You have got to have someone. I'm not so much with the ties piece because all you got to do is walk around with that U logo, but you got to be the right type of guy. You got to be a relationship first type of guy. You got to know what you don't know. You got to use community resources. You got to get up to speed pretty quickly on what's what. And then on the field, your product has got to replicate, you know, what we've seen. You cannot regress. And this is going to be a transitional year because you're replacing two safeties, right? You bring back Porter. I haven't heard anything on Davis yet on whether or not he's coming back. But let's just assume he is because I haven't seen him declare for the draft, right? So you get you know, you get Davis back, you get Porter back, and you get a good backup in, um, you know, Devontae. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, you got to replace two safeties. And that's a lot of work, you know. So, yeah, you got a couple of guys out of the portal. Didn't look good in the bowl game. This is a big hire. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Along the way, there is some there are some good candidates out there, you know, but it's always just a tough decision when you talk about, hey, what relationships do you have in the high schools where you recruit and all of that stuff? There's a lot of factors that go into it. Speaking of which, go ahead. I'll say this. And it's just buzz to me. Now, a lot of people are saying Pat Sertain, he doesn't have a lot of college experience. But one thing Pat Sertain would be able to do. I know he can coach. He coached for the Dolphins. He's coached at American Heritage. He produced not only his son, 
but he produced a lot of talent. One of them is Daryl Porter Jr. Okay. He might be a guy that's a plug and play type of scenario, especially given all of the people that were, you know, recruited in the room, the current status of the room, right? You're not going to have any introductory reporter and the other kid that came from heritage because they played for him. Um, And, you know, Jaden Davis is a Broward County kid. Again, no introduction necessary. Zaquan Patterson, another kid from Broward. Pat Sertain walks in. This is a guy that immediately commands respect, and there are not going to be any issues. So, yeah, he's at Florida State, but he's not a Seminole. You know, he went to Southern Miss. He played for the Dolphins. He's a South Florida guy. I don't think he sold his house. Maybe he wants to come back home, be closer, you know, to South Beach. He may take a pay cut, a hometown discount to come back and work on this staff. We'll see. But he might feel like he's in a good situation at FSU. I don't know what his career aspirations are. His brother was at my 707 tournament. He's a little bit older. One thing I know about Pat, he's an easygoing guy. He's a relaxed guy. He's focused. He's a darn good ball coach. Um, He's not a Lance Gidry guy, though. So I don't know. But he's from that area. He's the Cajun guy. He played it, you know, Southern, you know, he's from that Louisiana, you know, sort of, you know, Mississippi, like Gidry area. And maybe Mario can marry these guys together because it's good for, you know, hurricane football. But you think Mike Arvell is going to let this guy walk out of the door? And I guess Gabby Urethra reported that he makes 700 grand. That's a pretty expensive guy, but probably so was a die because a die was from a national championship team. He's probably making close to a million dollars. So, I mean, you're going to have to pay up for this. one. Two things on certain real quick. Uh, one, he did grow up in New Orleans, and two, uh, he did play a lot of years with Jason Taylor, who's on the staff as well. So there's some intimate knowledge there as well. They they played with the Dolphins together and did pretty well when they when they did so. Let's move on uh, to the running backs coach. So I don't know that it's official yet, but it looks like Miami's going to be hiring the guy from USF and Matt Merritt and. I'm a little puzzled, I think, by the addition. Where have you been able to make anything out of this hire? No, I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I don't know the connections. Maybe with Shannon Dawson somewhere. I, I have no idea why he was hired, and, and it's no disrespect to him. I have no idea. For all intents and purposes, I hear he's a good coach. He's got some chops. Help develop some guys. He, it's a strange hire to me, but I, again, there are things that I probably don't know. Um, but again, I, I think I've said this during this this cast. I I could coach the backs right now. Like the room is amazing. Like he's not going to be asked to make water into wine. You know, he just needs to recruit, and he he needs to just manage this room that's got a lot of talent in it, and and make sure. I'm just hoping because it's him, because it's this dude that, you know, doesn't really have notoriety and definitely has like no ties to South Florida, that uh, a predominantly South Florida room doesn't get itchy trigger fingers and and try to get up out of here. So, you know, I mean, what's the room? It's Henry Parrish, South Florida, Columbus, Mark Fletcher, South Florida, American Heritage, Jordan Lau, South Florida, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, Chris Humphrey, Wheatley, South Florida, South Broward, 
There's a kid from Louisiana. There's a kid from um, Ajay, uh, another kid from like far out somewhere. It's the South Florida room. And you bring in a guy that, you know, is not affiliated. So hopefully he's as good as everybody's advertising him to be. I don't see it, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be good. I, I'm I'm taking a wait and see approach. And like I said, I always give Mario Cristobal the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, the I mean, the only thing I was thinking about the other day as I was trying to analyze this, uh, you know, I was sitting in bed at three in the morning, staring at the ceiling, trying to figure out uh, why why this guy was hired as the running backs coach, because those are the sort of things that keep me up. It was um, it was. Well, you know what? I wouldn't have let Tim Harris get out of here. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't. Have. Uh, yeah. Okay. I would make him go uh, yes. And see and pay him more money. I, I yeah. 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 There. There is no doubt about it. Uh, I think both of us would do that. But the one thing I I kept coming back to is maybe this this is some young savant guy that's just flown under the radar. He played at like a Division three school. He just he hasn't had the pub that maybe other guys have. And somewhere along the lines, Mario Cristobal, Shannon Dawson met this guy and were so impressed that they've had him in the back of the mind as. Hey, if there's an opportunity, this is the young gun. This is the guy that we're gonna we're gonna find. This is the this is the dude that's been laying under the radar that we're gonna hire. Let me let me tell you why that may be smart. Whenever you're dealing with situations, if if Miami has the kind of season that they could have next year, you could potentially lose both of your coordinators. You have to, when you get an opportunity, hire someone that can stay in house, that can be promoted. And that would actually be positive before Kane's fans blow a gasket. You want Gidry and you want Dawson to become head coaches because that means this team is winning at a rate that's impressive enough to afford you that. You know what I mean? When Rhett Lashley went and got promoted from being an OC at Miami to a head coach position, that's good. That's positive because that means you can springboard from this job and you're going to have people who are interested and who have pedigree. It's the same thing at Alabama. They have guys that want to go there and coach because they know it could be a stepping stone, and you're going to get the top-notch guys. Because one thing Saban did a great job of, he wasn't just a GOAT because he was a good coach. He wasn't just a GOAT because he always brought in number one classes. He was the GOAT because he found a way to keep elite coaching talent through tremendous amounts of changeover, year after year. It was known that people just wanted to go and get a Bama stamp and get out of there and go become a head coach. Now, who can withstand that much turnover and still win at a high level? And Mario Cristobal, who is one of those coaches, is going to have to take a page out of the saving playbook, and he might already be playing. It's just the results are too comp. So we just have to see. All right. Man, so much to get to, so much to keep our eye on. Uh, Miami has picked up a pretty huge commit out of an enemy territory that we've got to discuss. Plus, you know, I, I think we need to discuss also what kind of impact recruiting might take from some of these coaching changes. So we will get into that on the other side. It is the Real Ones Canes podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back right after this. are back here on the real ones canes podcast he is brandon odoy follow him on the socials at brandon underscore odoy follow myself 
The Beast, Brian London at Miami Radio Beast. And please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your uh, podcast. And if you're on the YouTube channel, punch that, smash that like button, punch that subscribe button, and write, give us a nice little comment. All of those things help. All right, we got to get into some recruiting things. Uh, the University of Miami picked up a commitment, I think, for the class of 2025. A raw offensive lineman, but the dude has definitely got some interesting uh, measurables. I'm talking about Lamar Williams, 6'7", 280. He's huge. But, Brandon, he's coming out of Gadsden County, which I, I believe, literally, if you go out of FSU and hook a right or a left, I forget which way, on Tennessee Street in Tallahassee, and just keep going, past like I-10, you get to this kid's high school. In other words, he's right out of FSU's backyard, but he is committed to the University of Miami. Um, I, I don't know the story of this kid, but anytime we can pull a kid out of that area, I like it. Yeah, that's a, a hotbed for recruiting talent for sure. Uh, you know, Gadsden County in, in the state of Florida, but this young man uh, is every bit of uh, what they say he is, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, uh, he kind of popped onto the scene at Valdosta State's mega camp this offseason in June. Uh, he was a guy that got coaches' attention by running the 40. And then all of a sudden, they're like, wait a minute, who is this tall dude that's running the 40 like a skill kid? And then after you, everything you knew after that, he grew, drew the biggest crowds for his one on one workouts and his position group workout as an offensive lineman. He's raw. They played him at D-tackle as a sophomore. Uh, he played offensive lineman this year. And, you know, but he is a, a good canvas for Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal to paint on. And that's what this this is. And they uh, visited him during this uh, winter recruiting period. They went up in January to his school, took pictures, and uh, he decided to, you know, lock in and, and, and become a Miami Hurricane now. His recruitment is far from over, but you don't just go grab guys like that in the recruiting class. There are no guys like that in South Florida. So Miami always has to be on the lookout for elite offensive line recruits. And you want to try to stay out of the portal. If you can develop guys on the back end while some of your top end guys are playing. Uh, and that's what you did with Jalen Rivers. That's what you did with, you know, some of the other talent that you have on this team, you want to bring guys in. You can't, every kid's not going to be a, a, a mile goer um, and, and, and just come in right away and start. So I think this is a guy that'll take a red shirt year, uh, spend a year or two on the bench, and then you'll see him and, and he's going to be big and he's going to be moving uh, like a dancing bear. And this is a good get. And hopefully Miami will be able to hang on to his services uh, through signing day in December. So, we, you know, we spent last segment talking about all of the changes going on at the University of Miami. And, you know, I saw yesterday one kid, you know, in the class of I don't know what, down the road, decided to, to decommit. But, you know, it's still so early for those kids that are sophomores. So much can go on. Recruiting is still wide open. But how do you see the impact of losing – um, Tim Harris Jr. and Jamila Dye impacting recruiting. And, and what do you think? Do you think there'll be a lot of fallout or can Miami kind of salvage this thing? I don't think there'll be a ton of fallout. I just think it does matter who they hire. Um, you know, we have to see how this 
running backs coach is perceived, you know, by, you know, the young kids in his room and, 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 and how they kind of respond to his coaching. We'll find out in the spring for sure. Uh, Cause he's just walking around right now. There's no coaching going on, but uh, at the end of the day, this DB hire will be significant. The guy in 2026 may have wanted to decommit before this. He just kind of used it as a convenient excuse. Uh, I'm not concerned about anybody decommitting in a class that's a year away from being, you know, recruitable. But at the end of the day, um, they're going to, they're going to be fallouts. They're going to be, you know, deficits, you know, a die appeal to a certain group of people. So did Tim Harris. And now they're no longer at the university of Miami. So uh, it's, this is why you have a support staff in place. You, you want to have guys that don't have jobs that they can just readily go and grab as far as, you know, off the field. Uh, and this is why you have on-campus recruiting, player personnel, recruiting, high school relations. These, This is where those guys earn their paychecks because they bridge the gap between one hire and the next. And so when you have recruits out there who are trying to figure out you know, what's the future of this position? Do I need to stay committed to Miami? You've got to sell the program. You can't sell coaches nowadays. Look at all the kids at Boston College. They thought they were going into 2024 with Jeff Halfley as their head coach. Now they're about to find out that either Bill O'Brien or someone else is going to be their head coach. And this is life. And this is why, you know, kids are getting paid now. And this is why they can move because for years people have argued it's not fair that coaches can pick up and leave and change the life of kids, and they have no flexibility. So um, some impact, but it shouldn't be too, too significant because you should not be going to school for coaches because these jobs are very fluent and, and cynical in nature. You, you bring up a great point, right? We, we focus on the assistant coaches, their impact on recruiting, the guys that they're recruiting, all that stuff. But – that recruiting machine, that recruiting apparatus that's behind the scenes of all the dudes wearing khakis, right, uh, in offices, and we never see them, right? I mean, certainly you have and, and other guys that, that get down there a little bit more have, have interacted with these people, but the fans really don't see these people on a, on a daily basis. Maybe they follow them on X or see the social media, but for, for most of the fans and for most of the media, there's – Dozens of people that are involved in the recruiting machine of all of these colleges that we never interact with, and they're just working 24-7, 365 to keep these classes together, and they're really the ones that are like the glue with this whole thing. That's absolutely correct. I mean, Miami's unofficial GM was, you know, and is uh, Dennis Smith, and so he goes by the name D-Train, and he's a guy that is extremely gifted and just sort of keeping the entire engine together, you know? And so he's Mario's right-hand man. And so at the end of the day, you know, those two work in tandem to kind of put this system together for the University of Miami. And then they have coaches and staffers that kind of, you know, manage Mario manages most the on the field side and gets involved when he needs to. And, and coach Smith manages the off the field side and does actually have some special team you know, responsibilities from the football standpoint. So they do a lot down there. And, uh, but that's the new day and age with recruiting. There is a lot required for college football coaches. That's why some people are choosing to say, you know, this isn't for me. I'm going to go to the NFL, you know, but at the end of the day, Miami is well positioned to replace, you know, a coach and start, 
to continue to add to this class. And, you know, it's a tough thing for Miami fans because in these last two cycles, Miami really doesn't start adding kids to the class that are impactors until like the June, July timeframe. So you get to sit around. So this Lamar commit, this, this was a, this is, this is a sizable, good sort of early, you know, nice prospect, but the, like the bells and whistle recruits, you still got about, you know, five to six months before those guys start calling it a day and, and getting in this class. I want to get props to two guys who, uh, Got themselves some good jobs. Ken Dorsey, the offense coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. So we give props to my boy, Kenny. Uh, and Dan Morgan, former UM linebacker, now in charge of personnel for the Carolina Panthers. He's got his work cut out for him, but uh, love Dan Morgan. And he has done a great job working his way up on the personnel side. I, I think the last time Miami played at Boston College, not this past year, but before that, Dan was up there and had a good chance to talk to him for quite a while. And he's he's just an impressive dude when it comes to knowing the game of football. So we appreciate that. And then before we get out of here, I think we got to just for one second, Nick Saban is going to be on my TV every Saturday on college game day. And I know the rumors were out here that he was going to eventually replace Lee Corso. For now, they're going to be on together. But, I mean, Lee Corso brings the fun. I know he's older, but he puts the headgear on. He brings a lot of fun to the table. When I think fun, I don't think Nick Saban. So I, what, what what are they doing to me? I got to watch this guy every Saturday? Come on. I think he's going to give us some things to think about. He knows most of these competitive head coaches. I like the fact that he's going to be an analyst, but I don't want that desk to get too big. Um but, you know, they can take people on and off for segments. They've done that. I think you're going to see, you know, obviously Coach Corso come in when it's time to put on the headgear. But I think Saban is going to give us the matchups he's going to put into real consideration because for everything I've heard and read about him, you know, being on previous episodes, like when he's not in a national championship or whatever, he prepares. Like he he's the same guy – you know, like the old saying football, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. Like he prepares as a college football coach and he prepares as a journalist. So I'm thankful to have new new blood. And, you know, obviously with, you know, Kurt Herbstreit had been sort of the resident football coach and, and the person giving us like matchup issues and what we should expect. But Saban's going to take that to a whole nother level. Yeah, uh, Kirk probably needs to work on his or focus a little bit more on his preparation rather than uh, trying to get kids to commit to different schools and that whole aspect. Anyways. Yeah, that's a line cross. Hopefully that's not true, Kurt. You're my boy. I love, I love you, man, even though I've never met you, but hopefully you're staying out of that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, no <laughs> doubt about it. If you want, just go Google Kirk Herbstreet and uh, Nebraska, and th- that story will uh, will come up. All right, Brandon. I can only imagine what we'll be talking about next week. I can only imagine that there might be a couple of hires. Who knows who's moving on? Who knows who's moving in? Who knows what commitments are out there? One never knows. Something's always going on in Hurricane Nation. We appreciate everyone for uh, watching and listening. Again, go subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Go hit up the YouTube channel. Until next time, it's the real ones, Kane's Podcast. Peace.